0: This week the Avs actually won a home game, so I think they get the intro. Psychic fakes it, takes it, scores! Just that goal! Saved by Waddell! What a brilliant goal by Nathan MacKinnon! And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph Ellis. You're to the Mile High Hockey Podcast for January 9th, 2017. Uh, Coming up on the show, um, changes on the power play, um, an upcoming vacation, a new face, and all kinds of, like, rumors and stuff. But before we play the whoosh, we need to introduce the rest of the cast of this movie in alphabetical order. Joining us again are Earl06. Hello, Earl. Good morning. Morning. Well, and and Ryan Murphy. Hey, Ryan. (laughs) How's it going? So let's get to it. Last week, the Avs lost twice, and then they won once. So that's almost decent. Just kidding. Um, they fall 3-2 on the road to Vancouver. Uh, that was a game that kind of got away from them early. And then they tried to make a comeback, but it was a little too late. Miko uh, Rantanen, Tyson Berry, goal scorers there. And then on Wednesday, they move over to Calgary, and dropped that one by a score of 4-1. to one. Patrick Wierkosch, only goal scorer. Um,
1: in a meaningless, meaningless last two minutes.
0: Yeah, it was just like, oh, here, by the way, you can have a goal if you wanted, I guess. And then the Avs come home and they win their first home game in 11 tries. Um, Hallelujah. 2-1 over the New York Islanders. Gabe Landeskog, Nathan McKinnon, your goal scorers for the Avalanche, Nathan, uh, Nathan, Johnny Boychuk, your obligatory XAV goal scorer for the Islanders. Um, so, give up one, and they have a chance to win.
1: That's right. Goaltending matters.
0: Goaltending matters. And yeah, I mean, Pickard was good, and that helped.
2: I mean, a also lot of people that are... the. Oop, keep going. Um, I mean, a lot of people are saying you know we beat the worst team in the East, and they were coming off a five-day break and everything like that. But I mean, for for the where the ads are right now, just the act of beating anyone in a game um, is pretty impressive.
0: I mean, those are all still true statements.
2: They did it looking pretty good too.
0: They uh they they still but they still gave up thirty six shots. They just got saves on thirty five of them.
2: Yeah. Picks can use the the help in his save percentage. I'd also like to note Francois Beauchemin did not play, and that's probably why they won.
0: Yeah, he was mystery ill.
2: (laughs) 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 Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, you know, it it was a good time for him to to take a break. Um, He's been doing a lot of harm on the ice. We all know he doesn't mean to, but it's, you know it's happening a lot. And I I think it was a good time for him to take a break and it it ended up working out.
0: It's happening.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's getting traded.
0: Yeah. I mean, even even if if we've heard some rumors about that, we'll get there later.
1: I mean, even if this team were playing well this season, I think Francois Boschman should be taking occasional breaks just to rest. Yeah. You know, I, it'd be good. It'd be better for him. I think he'd perform better, yeah. but uh, the season isn't going well. And right now he should be giving up his ice time to anybody else.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think if, if you take Aginla and Bushman and then you say like, all right, guys, we're going to play a 70 games barring injury. And, you know, we're just going to get the
1: back to backs.
2: Yeah. We'll, we'll pick 12 games. We're going to rotate guys around and, you know i mean for all we know that's what they thought at the beginning of the season but lots of things went right out the window early on what well, does require some depth in order to execute plans like that sure does
1: the avalanche do not have any of that they have more now
0: yeah they tried to add a little bit of a support to their depth forward area by picking up uh matt nieto from the san jose sharks who uh had a real interesting couple of days he uh As you hear relentlessly during games that he plays in, he is from California um, and was drafted by the Sharks, so he's been, you know, living in warm areas for a very long time, you see, and uh, on a reasonably successful team, and then he gets waived and picked up by the worst team in the NHL, and the first thing he has to do is come to Colorado and drive in the snow. And never how, done it before. Never done it before. And how did he respond on Friday night? Fast. I, that's the same word that I would have used to describe it. It's just fast. He was like, we're going to skate now. Yeah.
1: I think he had, what, four early shots on goal, too? Am I wrong about that?
0: You were correct about that. Yeah. Um, it's which,
2: like the first shift, he clobbered somebody. And, I mean, he just it seemed like he was everywhere for the the balance of the first period. So. My reaction
1: was clearly he has not been playing on the Colorado Avalanche all season long because he doesn't play like it. <laughs> yeah. He's not, uh, you know, ruined. He is not broken yet.
0: Earned himself a penalty shot and just in general trying to make things happen, which was interesting given that his line mates did not.
1: No. So how does Matt Nieto earn a penalty shot? <laughs> Speed.
0: He was rewarded for try Yep. Yeah.
1: Well. I didn't think the Colorado Avalanche got those.
0: They certainly don't if their names are Matt or Nathan. Well, wait, this is those a different These guys are match. also pretty fast. This is a different map. Yeah. We got we got too many mats now. Something has to give. Trade duching. How? <laughs>
1: Anyway, I, I mean, the more interesting is the Avalanche had a couple of interesting names to choose from. They did have waiver priority, and uh, Ty Ratty also came up, which uh, is a bigger name, given that he was drafted pretty high by the St. Louis Blues with our and, team. Uh, with Colorado Avalanche's draft pick. That's right. But uh, that's a name they passed over in lieu of Matt Nieto.
0: Man, the stink around that just, I don't understand it. He was a high second-round pick, um, and he's accomplished absolutely nothing at the NHL level. He's had pretty okay numbers in the AHL, I mean, give him that, but he's got absolutely no proven NHL ability. And these guys are like, the the internet's freaking out. Like, they've just passed up on, a don't know, a second-line winger. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, you see, you started on the second line wings for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, that would be Bork and Como. <laughs> so who all have proven not... much
0: more at the NHL level than Tyrradi?
1: That's true. Yeah, I wasn't too bent out of shape out of that over that, but you know, um, a shoot first winger, you know, with a little bit of high end skill. I mean, that's the type of player they probably could take a shot at. I mean, I, I'm neither excited or disappointed that they, you know, left that one
2: go. I don't know. I've seen him in the AHL a bunch. He's not not someone I lusted after. Let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> like he's he's a guy. He's an okay guy. Um, and it's not necessarily your priority guy. Matt Nieto's been in the NHL.
2: Yeah, I mean, it. Yeah, the the Avalanche are struggling to score, but you know it it stands to reason if you have someone that's going to play the way that the team needs to play and sort of you know could have a positive influence on others, maybe skating a little bit more too. That that's going to do more for the guys that are there to do their jobs properly. Right, because
1: as much as scoring is a problem, the bottom six is also a problem. This is a guy that's been a proven bottom six player in his years in the NHL for a very good San Jose Sharks team.
0: Yeah, he's got 70 NHL points.
2: He's got a highlight uh, that plays during the commercials on every Game Center game, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's that's true. It plays like 20 times. But he's also shooting a blistering 0% this year.
1: Ah, so we def- a John Mitchell type. This was this was definitely
0: a uh, a pickup at a low point kind of guy. Like this would this would have been a if it was a trade, it would have absolutely been a buy low situation.
2: Well, Bednar yeah. said that that he came in to to help the PK as well, and that's something that he's done for a while, and he's good at. And you know, he definitely got some shifts on the PK, and it worked out pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine.
1: I mean, the, the roster needed a minor shakeup at that particular juncture, whether it was calling somebody up from the AHL or what, because, you know, whatever the current mix was was not functioning correctly. And, uh, you know, it's time to start making some moves. <laughs> start with the minor one first, but it's coming. You're just opening up the faucet. Yep.
0: And ultimately, the uh, the depth forwards are probably the weakest skating position on the Avalanche right now, um, but the uh, the goaltending remains the uh, absolute Achilles heel, despite Pickard uh, looking good on Friday, uh, because the Avalanche still have the bottom two goaltenders in the league in terms of uh, goals saved above expectation, which was something that just got the DTM about heart tweets out like basically every day on Twitter, and it just came out like, like half an hour ago. <laughs> or maybe someone retweeted it half an hour ago. That's a lot earlier than I thought it was. But yeah, they're like the number one and number two worst in the league right now. It's ridiculous. doesn't help. But welcome to the Avalanche to Matt Miena. Hopefully you continue to play with as much energy as you did on Friday and uh, get better shooting luck.
2: Yeah, I just, I hope, I, I hope his good work ethic and speed on the ice and stuff doesn't devolved to everyone else's level over the course of a few games. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, like in his fifth game, whether he's in the doldrums with everyone else or whether he sort of raises one or two guys' level a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, somebody had made an observation that it looked like Carl Soderberg cared for about the first twenty minutes on the ice the other night. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if he's the type of guy that can get Carl out of his funk, then. Please, sit on our roster. Do what you got to do.
0: All right. So, um, we also talked uh, quite a bit on the Excellent Lost episode about the World Junior Championships, which wrapped up uh, the other day. What day did they wrap up? Was that been a week now?
1: Thursday. Night. Yeah, Saturday night.
0: God, my days are oh, I'm
1: so sorry. So Thursday. Screwed
0: up. Thursday night. <laughs> Why is the final on a Thursday night? I don't that's get it.
1: A big television night. Yeah. Must see TV. Yep. All the primetime shows are.
0: So obviously the uh, the US won the World Junior Championships this year, the U twenties. Um, that beating, great game. Beating Canada in both the group stage and the knockout stage, which is like there's only the second time that's happened. Um, and that's not just a Canada thing. That's like if you win the group stage, you generally lose the knockout stage. If we yeah. play the same team. But that was, it was an excellent game. It was a lot of fun to watch. And uh, I'm sorry if you missed it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Were you guys disappointed that it ended in a shootout? Yes. Of of course. (laughs) Uh, I like shootouts better than most people, I think. I hate never ending games that get, you know, worse and worse and worse as time goes on.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's not much you can do when they, you know, everyone just sort of, doesn't score for three periods.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, it, there's definitely a degradation of quality in that game, too, as it went on. Um, that, was very, that was very noticeable towards the end as guys just ran out of gas. But this isn't soccer where you have limited substitutions. Um, so that it's easy to understand why soccer goes to penalties because you can only swap out guys so many times and then they're just dead on the pitch. Um. IIHF I, 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 has to figure out overtime like the NHL has. Um,
1: yeah, make it a 4-on-4 four four at minimum.
0: Make, make it... If you want to do 10 minutes of 5-on-5, five five, that's cool. And then drop it to 5 minutes of 4-on-4 four four, and then four, 5 minutes of 3-on-3. Three three. Yeah.
1: I like that. Yeah. But I still don't want a second overtime.
0: Yeah, I I would second ag- overtime. I would agree with that probably because, I mean because 'cause are pretty gassed, but you, you do save some legs as you have less skaters on the ice at a time.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you kind of need some certainty for a television network to carry something like that. Um, you know, it's it's nice to know that it, at worst it's going to go 20 more minutes plus a shootout. Which, again, I mean, the shootouts can be never-ending, too. But
0: <clears throat> Generally, I'd be aren't.
2: interested in uh, how many viewers they had
1: online um uh, you know people like me who do not have the spiffy nhl cable package here so um you know that was uh, a
2: treat for me to be able to see those games yeah so why didn't they do it for the rest of the tournament i don't know there's <laughs> they gotta really be, should have
0: there's got to be something in the in the tv deal that tsn has there has to be either that or the u.s just doesn't think there's the audience which is you know wrong arena
2: I mean, if 15 people are watching and you put it online, I mean, it's just you're, you've you got it on a server and you're dialing it out to wh- however many people want it. Right. I've always wanted to know how hard to do that is and why more sports entities don't do it. But, you know, I, I get that, you know, they want to sell their channel. But if, if <clears throat> you know, something like the, the World Juniors, which your average NHLN subscriber... You know, a non subscriber might not care, or they might care about that rather than watching the NHL. Right. You, know, just, you could put all the
1: same commercials on it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it could be I mean, the same it,
1: exact broadcast.
2: Seems like free revenue they're just tossing away to me. I think yeah. the
0: NHL need to support it, like, at an official level. Stream all the games on NHL.com if it's not carried in the States.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you can geolock it, and people can use their VPNs to get around that, but geolock it. If, if you're worried, if TSN is worried about
2: that. Yeah, or, I mean, it, it, at the very least, do all the the United States games. All right, if you're not going to... I can see something like TSN won't let that fly for, you know, Canada versus someone other than the U.S., but, I mean, having the, the U.S. versus Slovakia-type games on there, there's just no reason why that shouldn't happen.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. Well, it's uh, what happens when you got monopolized cable and uh, satellite companies. Yeah. Got a lot of influence. <laughs>
0: Yeah, probably so. So um, let's talk about our good friend and future savior, Tyson Jost.
1: He had a pretty good tournament, didn't he? I mean, uh, the scoring went down, as you kind of alluded to earlier, once he got put on that top line with Dylan Strom. And uh, I, I didn't see most of the tournament, but just watching that game, I started to understand why because that guy just skates straight into three defenders every time he has the puck trying to do something. He's very uh Nathan mckinnon like in that way. <laughs> so uh his line mates uh, namely Tyson Jost did not receive the same uh scoring opportunities.
0: Yeah, he did. Yeah. His, he did solo queue a little bit, although it was some <coughs> some people uh some people such as Dario have kind of noticed that uh it was a switch from center to wing for Tyson Jost, which is a little bit uncomfortable at times. He mm-hmm. said he didn't look too great on zone exits and so forth because he's not in his normal position.
2: Yep,
1: that's definitely a primary reason.
2: Yeah, but there's a lot of centers on that team that are playing wing.
0: Yeah, but he had been playing center, though.
2: When, uh, like, not for Canada. He hadn't? Early on, the,
1: uh, you know, preliminary, the uh, non-competition games, he's playing center. Really? Yeah. I thought he uh, played Between in the group Wad stage. and Gautier. Uh, Wall was no. No, not in the group stages.
0: Huh. Uh, wrong for me.
1: Yeah, he was uh, in between Wad and Gautier.
2: Huh. I was looking at that Every morning. game I saw, he was on the wing, but... Um, you know, it, it's. I think he he looked good with Juan Gotay because they were pretty much the best guys in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see why they put PLD up there because there's probably a, a little more upside um, as far as production and you know, sort of Team Canada politics wise. <laughs> but
0: PLD, of course, being Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah.
2: Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, you know he was definitely put in a tough situation with Strom because when you're on that line, it's basically Strom being the guy with the puck and the other two guys are pure puck retrieval duty. And you don't get any defensive zone time, so you're kind of sheltered as well. You then- can see in the overtime, they didn't, they didn't play that line unless it was an offensive zone start.
0: Yeah, and, and Strome didn't didn't do too badly for himself personally, individually. It was that his whole line kind of suffered.
2: He wasn't great 5v5. He was fine on the power play. I would say fine, but he, he produced.
0: So um, is there anybody from the U.S. that you're itching for Sakic to go acquire right now?
1: <laughs> go get uh, Troy Terry, man. Highland Ranch's own.
0: Do you take
2: user, Mac right? Mr. Shootout. I think McAvoy from the Bruins would be kind of sweet, too. Right.
0: McAvoy had a great game against Canada until the wheels fell off. He he yeah. just wore out at the end.
2: I also kind of uh,
1: see what everybody's talking about. Keller now. I mean, oh, that yeah. guy's fun to watch play.
0: Yeah. He's definitely got
1: a little Johnny Goudreau in him, just a little bit. I won't say he's got that kind of upside necessarily, but he's probably you know 85% there.
0: Like he was good in the gold medal game, but in in the game that the U.S. and Canada played in the knockout round or in the in a group round on New Year's Eve, he was fantastic.
1: Yeah, yep. He was playing a lot of minutes in that gold medal game. I, I'd be interested in seeing where it actually was, but he seemed like he was on the ice every other shift.
0: Forty-two. I don't know. Shabbat <laughs> played the, I, at, like played legitimately something like that. Shabbat was never off the ice for Canada. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think they they said he might have been over forty minutes in the in the gold medal game,
0: and that was after playing almost thirty the night before.
2: <clears throat> but I think the the nice thing after watching the U.S. through through this tournament is how diametrically opposite they were to the team that they brought to the the World Cup,
0: and that was without DeBrincat.
2: Yeah, right. but it just it showed that they can think that way, you know, that they, they can think like, ah, oh, we don't need six grinders to go with our six skill guys, because six skill guys is definitely enough. (laughs) Yeah, it's fun
1: seeing uh, U.S. hockey develop right now. There's a lot of good players coming out of that program and being on these national teams.
0: Right, and so uh, Tyson Jost took his silver medal back to the University of North Dakota and started tearing the Nets down. Whee!
1: four Um, points in two games.
0: So... He is currently a man on fire and has returned from playing against probably higher competition um, because it is a under-20 All-Star game up there. And uh, he's lighting up in North Dakota. We'll see how long he stays in the NCAA. Um, he definitely looks like a can't-miss kind of guy at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's fun getting extended looks at him during this tournament because I don't get to watch a lot of junior stuff. But he's got kind of a very calm heads up game about him, which I enjoy. I see a lot of that and Nico Rantanen too. And you can kind of start to tell what kind of players this, uh, you know, organization's scouting and trying
2: to draft. Yeah. I, I, I liked uh, this was the first extended look I've ever had at him. Um, and I, I was really impressed with, with his offensive game, the way that, it, he he kind of thinks it in a way that's sort of not not by the book all the time. I mean, he does a lot of stuff that's going to mess with people's heads. You know, he, he zigs when a lot of people would zag. He has got a, he shoots early, too. I mean, I think he fires off shots before
1: goalies are ready. And I've noticed a lot of his goals, you know, both at North Dakota and this tournament, have been from a little ways out. And they're really well-placed.
0: Yeah, You know who else shoots like that? Nathan McKinnon. You know who else has a good shot um, percentage-wise that shoots like that? Ah. <laughs> there we <laughs> go. Phil Kessel.
1: Oh, yeah? Phil Kessel.
0: Phil Kessel right. absolutely dines out on that. Not quite, like, this isn't exactly where the goalie expects you to shoot from. Definitely not the foot the goalie expects you to shoot from. How's that behind me? Kind of goal. Yeah,
1: he's yeah, got a really weird. nice shot. I mean, his first goal in the preliminary game was right off of a face-off, and I think it was even strength, but he just catches the puck and just rips it as low as he possibly can through about six legs, and the goalie's like, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was, uh, I haven't even gotten down my butterfly yet. What are you doing to me? Well, it's cool, but uh, my other favorite thing I think I saw was some skating ability below the blue line. He's got some sort of Matt Duchesne-esque turn-on-a-dime maneuver.
0: Yeah, I yeah. saw that. I saw exactly that. I was like, he's he's Duchening. What's going on here? <laughs> you
1: know, I, I think it's fair that we do call it duchesne
2: That's nice because, I mean, he wasn't really touted as sort of Mac, you know, an extremely fast and good skater. I mean, that was sort of a... It wasn't a huge question, but it was a question that people had... Um, you know, I, st- I still don't know that he's an amazing skater, but he, he's quick and he's able to adjust his position quickly, which I, I think that's going to help accelerate his move to the, the pro ranks. Yeah, I mean, he just looks like a totally different skater to me
1: than Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon, to me, is heads down, I'm going straight through you whether you like it or not type of skater. And Jost, like I said earlier, is more heads up, he's on a swivel, he's looking for passes, he's kind of sees the ice well yeah and uh, that's a really valuable type of player to step into this organization in the next two years they're going to need it
0: so help's coming and don't expect him to save the, the franchise but he looks good
1: yeah top six player upside
0: so now the team go on vacation um we don't see any more games for five total days um, this is one of those CBA mandated five day off periods and uh, the last time I brought this up somebody added some details that I didn't know I don't, don't remember which one of you it was but it's like aren't there certain days that they're not even allowed to go to the rink or something
2: none of them until they're not allowed to be at the rink until Wednesday at 4 o'clock yeah you kind of see on Twitter they're all taking vacation yeah like Duchesne's <laughs> up at his cabin on the lake
0: that's probably good Catches fish. Get some space. Let everybody yeah. just kind of go do your own thing for a few days. Forget about the cloud of suck that's been over your head for weeks. It's kind of refresh a little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I just hope uh, it doesn't work out to where the avalanche make them stay up there, you know, in some sort of trade scenario. <laughs> um, that would not make me
0: happy yeah the avalanche trade in the core is kind of the talk of the uh, mm, the internet as far as abs goes. Um, so the core as far as we understand, uh, we talked about this a little bit last week in lo- in the obviously best of all time lost episode. Um, it was really good. The, the core so was co- the core was kind of Nathan McKinnon, Matt Shane, Gabe Landis uh Johnson Barry.
2: Rantanen. Rantanen uh, Rant now, I guess.
0: And that was pretty much it. Everyone else is fairly expendable.
2: Even, yeah. Even then, extremely
0: uh, expendable in certain cases. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, that, expendable. You can lose anyone out of anyone else and not miss them.
1: Right. And then Joe Sakic, you know... Told Terry Fry in you know last night's recap that he really only finds three people in the organization you know non-untouchable, and those names for the first time that I've ever heard in an interview do not include Matt Duchesne and Gabriel Landeskog. I mean, at this point, I think he'd listen on anybody, and for the right trade, he'd probably make a move.
0: Which doesn't mean he should. Right. <laughs> We're not saying he should, but that's what he said
1: you should listen. I mean, make somebody give you that offer. <laughs> if it exists then go for it.
0: The, the there's, guys, a rumor,
2: hmm? there's a rumor out there that Joe emailed all the GMs saying that everybody's available except you know, for those three guys, but I, I don't know if that actually happened or not. I, I just I, I I think that's weird. I don't I just don't see that how deals get made in the NHL. Nah. With a reply all email? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> that one guy in the office that always has to you know, send out the stupid email that everybody replies to you and fills up your inbox for the next eight hours?
0: Yeah, your inbox is full of reply-all, okay, thanks.
1: <laughs> Appreciate that.
0: Hey, if you're, if you're a reply-all guy, fuck you.
1: I'm <laughs> on board. Um, yeah, We should be clear, too, the three guys that he was talking about were McKinnon, Rantan, and Jost. So, literally, that is everybody on the team.
0: Yeah, and and the reason that Duchesne and Landeskog are considered in that bundle is because they are the guys that you're going to get the most return for with the uh, least long-term ramifications to the team, I think. Um, I think he's wrong on the Landeskog side there. I think Landeskog sure. brings a lot to the table that gets just unnoticed, but... You know, Matt Duchesne And hey, he'd be the selling really, really low. Yeah, he'd be selling really low. But Duchesne is the oldest member of the Corps. He, uh. By the time the Avalanche are good again, he may not be anymore. We don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, then again, he's also 25. I mean, I think he's got another six years before <laughs> Bryce starts falling off a cliff.
0: Yeah, and the Avalanche are 30th in the league, so. True. Of course, so was the Maple Leafs last year, but I digress.
2: Yeah. But also in, yeah. in, in Sackick's interview with Terry, he said that, you know, he mentioned several times the future and that's what they wanted to build. Wanted to get the team younger, which is smart since they're the oldest team in the league. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to see either of those guys go, but I mean, there are things that they could bring back that I'd be like, all right, I can understand that.
0: The problem is for me, with losing specifically Matt Duchesne, is he has like half their goals.
2: What are they going to do, get worse?
0: Yeah, <laughs> they are. <laughs> like Here's the deal. You've only got so many top six forwards, and you've got a really good one. Okay, And you're thinking, well, yeah, we need to trade somebody who's going to actually give us return. And so what do you bring back? If you bring back another goal scorer, it's a lateral move. If you bring back futures, then you're taking a huge risk Sure. that may not even be necessary for that guy. And if you bring back a defenseman, okay, you've probably improved your blue line, but now you score fewer goals than before. Which is already low. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're already having to give up no more than two to have a chance.
2: All right, but is that a guarantee? I mean, if the defense improves noticeably, do the people that aren't scoring now start scoring?
0: Okay, so let's let's get into that. What why would the defense be the reason that the scoring is low?
2: Because it's not getting
0: the puck up the ice?
2: Yeah, the the offense never gets the puck. I mean, McKinnon's <laughs> been complaining that the defensemen can't get him the puck quickly enough. Um you know, I I, I know it's a chicken egg thing, but I mean, there's some logic to the the thought that having better defensemen will make you know, guys that don't score currently, like Soderberg, maybe, or, you know, it, it just it would help the the offense out in measurable ways.
0: Okay, now by more my shots
2: eyes, for,
1: let's say, more shots for Rantanen, more shots for Landeskog, you know, something like that.
0: So, by my eye, Soderberg specifically is one of the guys who can't get out of the zone. He will often be, the one who turns it over inside his own blue line, <clears throat> kind of on his own. Which highlights to me the real problem, which is the puck support disappeared and never came back. Yep. McKinnon I, has only ever played under Patrick Waugh, right?
2: Until now, yeah. So the right. system
0: that he started with was rocket up the ice as fast as you can, and someone will try to hit you with a pass.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I, a strategy. I mean, even when they do managed that once or twice a game that they managed to do the full five man breakout with support and all that um you know it's, it's it seems it's incredibly difficult for a few of these guys to get decent passes up you know and i'm i'm talking about Boschman and and Tootin um and uh, Jelena Jelena <laughs> Jelena you know Jelena has his you know game every game he has a brain fart where he just passes it right to some guy at the blue line when he's breaking it out and
1: I mean, the Avalanche have a terrible problem right now in that their forwards and their defense are bad. And it's not their top players on each unit, you know. It's not their five good offensive players. It's not their top two defensemen. I mean, unfortunately, it's hard to pick one thing and choose over the other because they're both bad. Yeah.
0: I think the bottom six is worse than the D problems.
1: I mean, if you were confident that what was coming up through your minor league system was good enough to supplement your defense right now, I mean, I, I would completely agree. I'm not sure the Avalanche feel that way.
0: Probably not. I
1: don't know. I mean, and that, one of us I, is I, wrong, and
0: it could easily be me. Good. It could just as easily be the Avalanche.
1: could really easily be the Avalanche. Really easy.
2: All right, but I mean, he, all right. Let, let's say that right now you think you have four good, def, four good enough defensemen to play, and and by that I'm saying Johnson when he's healthy, mm-hmm. Barry, Z, and maybe Weirkosh. who's you know, probably we,
1: more ideally suited for a bottom
2: two role. Exactly. You know, Wirkosh is the kind of guy you, you, that you would be really fine with having on a, a bottom pairing role.
0: And I'm just not as down as you are on Tutin.
2: I just—he's uh, been—he's been really bad since he came back from his injury. I, I agree that before that he was playing well. I just think he's
1: a limited skill set. I think uh, in his own zone he's worse than he is keeping pucks out of his own zone. Yeah, he's really good at standing guys up at the blue line. I don't. know. I mean, he's not a long-term solution. He's not under contract next year, and if you can get anything for him, I say ship him off.
0: Sure, sure. Um, I, I think he's a fine third-pairing guy, and that's where he should be. Uh, unfortunately, the Johnson injury kind of exposes him a little bit. Um, but, I mean, if, even if he has to play on a second pair, he's. I think he can do not terribly there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's not going to do great. He's not going to wow anybody. But he's going to stop zone zone injuries from, from coming in against him, and that's really like if you're not if you're not great in your own zone, but the puck doesn't get in your own zone, what's the problem?
1: Yep, I also think he's been a pretty good influence on Zadorov in that respect, uh, who has made really great strides in that area. Who I, I think the Avalanche will be much better off after Johnson comes back because Zadorov's had this experience. I mean, he's been the best defenseman on this team for a month now.
2: He's been kind of tailing off a little bit lately, and it's because they they that Tooten was having such a good effect on him. They ended up putting him up with Barry on the first pair, which I can understand, sort of. But it's just you're sort of losing <laughs> Z in the, in the process. Yeah, you know that's that's sort of a function of Boshman being terrible. Um, but if you had, you know, <clears throat> I, I like Tooten with with Z. I think that's a that's a good pairing. But it's just, you know, what do you do for the other two guys pairing off with? johnson and barry
0: <sighs>
2: call up chris bigraw duncan <laughs> and
0: duncan siemens, and, uh,
2: duncan siemens.
1: <laughs> anything at all
0: yeah, yeah. You, you call those two up and you play them like every other game like you play the other you play the other five and then you play bigraw and sit duncan and then you play duncan and sit bigraw and then you just go back and forth
1: or just, find out that they're both better than what you currently have, and sit that guy.
0: Yeah, I end up giving some press box time to Weirdcock or to uh, to Tootin every once in a while when he needs the rest.
2: Then you send. We're
1: after he's traded for a third round
2: draft pick. Yeah. Yeah, I Either think. Way. I think basically with the defense outside of Weirdkosh. And and Barry and Johnson and and Z basically trade anyone you could get anything for.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I guess it, you know, rolling back, uh, you know, circling around to our initial conversation is, I guess, I would personally agree that I don't think the defense is nearly as big of a problem as, you know, not just the bottom six, but probably the bottom seven or eight <laughs> forwards. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm not sure the Avalanche see it that way, but I would agree with you in that I think our forward depth is in a lot bigger trouble than what the defense can be next year.
0: Which is why it's so baffling that guys like AJ Greer remain with San Antonio. Like well, that—that's exactly the kind of guy you need right now.
2: It is. It is sort of. I just I don't see him being productive with anywhere else but in the top six. And it's just mm-hmm. I'm not sure he's ready for top six minutes. He
0: every played night. top six minutes. With last time he was here?
2: No, he I mean he played on the second line a lot, but he played he played third or fourth pair of minutes. Right. Was, he got was, got, got
1: rotated uh, out towards the end yeah. of the game. I
2: oh. I think if you bring Greer up, you gotta bring Comfer up at the same time and, and Yeah, do it. You you, you basically put those guys together on on the fourth line stop that. I mean, all of us are on board with that because,
1: (laughs) I mean, uh, we kind of want to watch something entertaining or at least uh, see some hope for the future. I mean, that's why we want to watch Avalanche games right now because clearly we're not watching them to be successful in the win column this year. So we kind of want to see what the product's going to look like for next season.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just I don't want to watch John Mitchell floundering around every night anymore and i know oh nobody comes to watch the fourth line but it's just you know it's it gets pain presented pain. to you no matter what so <laughs> if, if you can bring up greer and comfort together and, and you know pair them off i'd, I'd you know I, I can't imagine who you'd put them with that could help them out on the right wing i mean you can't put iggy there obviously uh. martinson no it almost makes sense to bring up Rocco at the same time and just bring up the whole line, part and parcel. <laughs> line change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then you'd have, you have to make some big-time changes to get rid of the, the, the roster spots in front of them.
1: We could see that happening this week. I mean, uh, this episode's well-timed because uh, with these five days off, you know what the GMs are doing. And I know they're trying to get, again, to a place where you can win. They're I'm sure will be the narrative.
2: That's
0: what they're doing, <laughs> right? That's what I'd be doing. Nothing to do but for I, five I, days. How
2: clear three spots, which is kind of what you need, and and you've you've already gotten Nito, and and he seems like a good fit. So I mean I, I'm kind of fine with him sticking around, actually.
0: Yeah.
2: Even though it's sort of a blockage.
0: Although if if he's he a nice piece in a trade, then sure we wouldn't we wouldn't miss him. We've seen him for one game. Yeah. Flip him. I don't care. So who's
2: how think like the Sharks th- didn't trade him?
1: I don't know.
0: Maybe they didn't expect him to get picked up.
1: Yeah, like, hey, John Mitchell didn't get picked up on waivers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Rip. There you have it.
1: <laughs> so, uh, I mean... We could, I mean, if you're going to trade a third piece, if you think Boschman and Aguilar are two you're trying to get rid of for whatever you can, you know, who's the third guy, you know, you're looking to get rid of
2: to open up room? I mean, if you can get rid of, you have to try to get rid of John Mitchell somehow.
0: That ship is sealed. You you can wave him again. You get rid of John Mitchell by either sending him to San Antonio or waiting until April.
2: I mean, I think once you get closer to the deadline, you might be able to get rid of him.
0: If they get anything for John Mitchell, I will be singing Sackick's praises.
1: Do you think you could uh, get rid of a Cody McLeod to a team that thinks they need somebody like Cody McLeod?
0: And that was my next question,
2: is is you really need to get rid of McLeod. I mean, I, I know it just seems silly, but... I mean, he he said to – I forget who the interview was with. He he said to somebody the other day he wouldn't mind getting traded somewhere where he can play. Right. I mean, he's on record.
0: (laughs) Grant that wish. Grant it immediately. Please. Happy trails.
2: Who still employs people like that? I don't know. I mean – Winnipeg. Wouldn't that be great? Just have him and Thorburn fight in practice every week and he wouldn't, we wouldn't have to play. That's a homecoming. It's a homecoming too, right?
0: Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Cody the Manitoban? Yeah. I, I'm sure he'd be fine with playing for the Moose. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of useful pieces, too, that we haven't really talked about. I mean, I could easily picture somebody offering something useful for Blake Como.
0: Yeah. Who was good on Friday, by the way. Como had one of his best games in a while on Friday.
1: I like Blake Como, but, I mean, because I like him, I think other teams would, too. Yeah. Like, hey, this is a useful bottom six player on a bad team, and, you know, the Avalanche aren't going to be building around him, clearly, so let's – uh. Bring him back to the Penguins or something, you know?
0: And, yeah, sure, at times he hasn't looked great, but we've been playing him over his head. You don't have to play him over his head like we do. You've actually got forwards, Mm -hmm. just not quite enough. Right. You you need this one, too.
2: My hopes (laughs) for getting rid of Rennie Bork are kind of dissipated. Right.
0: Yeah, once he quit zipping in every shot that went by, that that fell off in a hurry.
2: Yeah, because his game outside of that's not too good. Plus, the Avalanche need him, man. He's playing on the second line. No, they don't need that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, unfortunately, other teams see uh, shooting statistics, too. They realize that you can't uh, tip everything in.
0: And then we're probably ultimately going to be stuck with Joe Colborne as well. That's probably going to end up going down as a pretty bad deal. And I don't
2: know. That that might actually be tempting for someone, but...
0: I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty doubt it.
2: You know, if you retain half, you know. Well, okay. uh, that's a... It's
1: kind of, you know, uh, one of the more interesting trade scenarios we should talk about is the utilization of cap space for next year. And this is where I think the Avalanche might have some cards to play that other people haven't considered yet and that the avalanche have a lot of money coming off the books next year and there isn't a lot to spend it on in free agency. You know, I wonder if you can, you know, utilize next year's cap to take on some salary and maybe get some more draft assets.
2: I think, I, I mean, I think they'd like to move on from Boschman and I think retaining half his salary is going to be pretty much the starting point for any deal there.
0: Right. If they don't
2: have to buy it out completely. Yeah, you know, and that's only 2.25 million. That's not a big deal for I don't know the 20 million they've gotten to spend. So that's yep. that's a good use of it. I'd even take the whole thing, you know, if it got you, you know, another okay. round draft pick. <laughs> yeah, I would too. You can only retain half, and you can retain ah. up to about 11 million dollars total. Gotcha. Which doesn't really matter, but see, I didn't know that. I'm learning things. Yeah. Um, you know, I think retaining salary on Iggy is probably going to be, you know, that that's that's a big part of that. So his salary is going to be a nominal $2.6 when you're trading him.
0: Either that or yeah. it's going to be taken on. It's either going to be those retaining situations where they're going to be taking on bad contracts in return, which means hopefully it's a bad contract that can play a little bit higher than your current bad contracts.
1: <laughs> and also ends after next season. Right. Which, I'm fine with that, too, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. If you can get a player that's on a bad contract that's signed through next year, I think you do it, even if you just waive them.
0: So, um, there's also this random rumor floating around about Boschman to Ottawa. You guys want to explain that one to me?
2: Yeah, it was in the Ottawa Sun this morning. One of the columnists was saying that the you know, he would be surprised if Ottawa was looking to pick up a defenseman like Boschman. And um, I, I, I do think they're teams with interest in him, you know, very tepid interest. But, um, you know, I, and I don't know if that's something that Ottawa actually is interested in as far as Boschman himself or maybe just a guy like him. But, you know, just the fact that it keeps popping up that teams have interest or maybe a team might be looking at him, that kind of thing, it just sort of gives you hope that that the Avs can get rid of that contract if they if they if they'd like to,
1: yeah, it's hard to know where these things come from. You know where they're getting their tips. It could just be an agent floating, you know, a name around. But you know, like you said, there's been a couple of different teams associated with his name recently. Uh, I think the other being the Canadians. So yeah. uh, please
2: take him off our hands. We'll do what we've got to do. <laughs> you know, we we proved the other night that we can survive without him. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no drop off. In fact, they have dropped up. Dropped up.
2: The Avs have a 1,000 winning percentage when he's not in the lineup to this year. <laughs> uh, small sample size statistics.
0: They also are undefeated at home in 2017. Pretty good record. It's true.
1: Yeah. Looking up.
0: So the one last thing I wanted to make sure that we got to today is in the last couple of weeks, the power play has been not necessarily having the results, but it's looked a whole lot better. Are you guys seeing the same thing I'm seeing?
1: Um, I'm seeing a little bit different. Um, yeah. A little bit different personnel, too.
0: Yes. Namely on the left wing, we've been seeing one Miko Rantanen over on the left wing. Yep. We've also been seeing one Nikita Zadorov finally get rewarded with some power play time.
2: Little thing that I've liked is Carl Soderberg is in the middle. You know they're they're playing a one three one like a lot of teams do now, and the the middle guy in the three is pretty key. Um, you know it's 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 kind of a shooting position, but it's almost better if it's a distributor, and I think that fits Soderberg pretty well, and I think that's part of why they're doing better now. That, that guy
1: in the middle, too, is kind of first one behind the net, too. Is he not?
2: He can be. I mean, any of the, you know, the, the one is usually the guy that's puck retrieval and behind the net.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, but Carl, the, the guy who's the middle on the three is either between the circles or in front of the goalie. And I, I've seen him actually screening the goalie quite a few times lately. And, you know, that's, that's been Which, working. when the
1: Avalanche do that, you notice.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but I, I, I think that's a pretty key position to make the the one-three-one power play work. And you know, it just seems like that they're they've been cycling through various people trying to get someone in there. Like Renny Bork was in there for a while, and it's just not that's not good for him. He's he's good at tipping, and that's a decent spot to be in if you're tipping. But um, he can't distribute or pass or anything like that. So. A lot of times it'll just bounce off him in the middle and then go out to a defender and get cleared.
0: And he's also right. pretty weak behind the net, too.
2: He's pretty weak everywhere, really.
0: The, the old Rooney <laughs> Bork that would randomly dome people at the blue line with his elbow is kind of gone.
1: Yeah. He is who we thought he was. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I was kind of making this argument in our uh, comment section well, maybe yesterday, but the avalanche have a lot of spacing problems in their own end because they don't occupy the middle very well. And that's also true on their power play. Yeah. And uh, it it's allowing the defense to play so high that no one on the perimeter has room to operate. And, yep. you know, defensemen aren't getting good angle shots off because the defensemen are filtering them to the middle, <laughs> right where the goalie can see him.
0: Yeah. So lately they've been actually working it down low and getting the more dangerous chances, specifically from the from the bottom of the circle. So it's looking a lot better, and the results should follow.
1: I'm glad to see adjustments. I mean, I don't necessarily need to see a result yet, but I'm glad the team's trying.
0: It's a pretty big deal. You can see the wheels
1: turning too. a little bit.
0: Because it's like, yeah. putting Miko on the left, that means less shooting priority for Jerome McGinley, which is a... That's the first time that he's ever had less shooting priority, probably in his career, but especially here.
1: Do you guys want to do some speculation here? Do you think uh Tim Army's probably losing a little bit of his control over that
2: power play?
0: Uh, who's to say it's think- not Tim Army's change
2: yeah i mean i i I think of army is he's always been kind of just a a robot or a computer I mean he just he he does what the coach tells him to do with the power play
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I mean uh. His area, though, right?
2: Yeah, but I just I, I don't think you know he has any influence over the design, or not much influence, if any, on the on the personnel he used.
1: Yeah, interesting.
0: Maybe more like the actual no. nuts and bolts of execution of who and how, or who and where I should say. Maybe he controls the how, and then it, he's told what to do with the who and the where.
2: Yeah, I mean I you know I I think he basically, you know, that's that's he he gives the other two coaches a chance to you know get their heads together and talk during the power play um you know just get ready for the the next 5v5 segment. But i, don't yeah, know any of
0: this
1: I mean, stuff. just
2: as we're looking forward,
1: you know, uh, I wonder if just more coaching changes aren't on the horizon, you know, for next year. I'm sure they are. Well, the power play just, hasn't been very effective.
0: there's there's too many assistants for one right now.
2: Yeah, I don't mind having three. I mean, a lot of most teams have three now.
0: okay. Uh-huh. Uh, there, there's the wrong name still in the assistance for, for one right now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I you know I think it's I, I, I don't remember if Farish's contract is up at the end of this year, but I think for all intents and purposes, it will be.
0: I think for all intents and purposes, it was up this year. Yeah, as, as Wall left,
2: but I, I think Tim Army will be replaced or repurposed. Um, I don't. I don't see him on the bench during games next year. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, we should mention too that you know during that same interview uh, with Terry Fry that Joe Sackett did give Jared Bednar a vote of confidence, which I'm glad he's not overreacting to this poor record.
2: Yeah, it didn't um, sound like a dreaded vote of confidence either. I mean, I think it seems like he was genuinely down with the way he's been coaching and that he's not the problem. Right. Which um, I think that's all of our expectation. I mean, we've got a
1: coach who's trying to implement a system that is not working with the current group of players. The
0: yeah, it
2: just the it new system takes forever well, to do that. Yeah, it's I mean, it, it, you look at what happened with torts last year i mean he came in after i what was it eight games or something Mm -hmm. and they were they were just rude for the whole rest of the season and suddenly as a a summer to prepare a little input into you know they didn't change much obviously but they changed a few things as far as personnel but you know he had a whole summer to prepare for camp and all that and you know the, the results speak for themselves yeah they've been pretty good yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, the, the role of Bobrovsky in John Tortorella's time with with Columbus is like, like you cannot overstate that because he he came to Columbus because for eight games Bobrovsky couldn't stop shit. Yeah. And then he's been the top goaltender in the league by goals first expected like all season long.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They've only allowed eighty three goals. It looks like yeah. that's best in the league.
2: But, I mean, you got to admit, when you see Columbus play... Oh, you, yeah, they look know, good. Yeah, Bobrovsky's doing a great job and all that, but that team looks fantastic. Yeah, so uh, since when does uh, Tortorella have a team that looks that good, even with good goaltending? Just in the way they play. It just You look at them, you're like, if you didn't know Torts was behind the bench, you're like, yeah, the, the first thing that pops in your mind wouldn't be that this is a John Tortorella coached team, and they look nothing like the Rangers of a couple of years ago or the miasma in Vancouver he had for a year.
0: Yeah, they're, they're uh, so
1: who are we selling short here? Were we selling Tortorella short or were we selling their roster
2: short?
0: Their roster, I think. I, I, I don't think anyone expected yeah. that roster to do what it's doing. Um, although the uh, some of the acquisitions they've made really, really helped. Really, really, really helped.
1: Defensively, yeah. absolutely. I mean, Seth Jones is a big part of that. So is uh, the draft pick Wrensky.
2: But also, I mean, it, it seems like you know you, you listen to interviews with with Tortorella in the time that he had off after the Vancouver job, that he actually did sort of you know even though he hates to admit it, he did look at analytics and, and sort of see how the league was going and you know as far as moving to a speed game rather than a grind game and
1: uh, proving to be more pliable than we all thought. Yeah, and it's just, just not an international play. Well, it's.
2: Weird. I was going to say it's weird because it's just, Walt maybe he fucking put into Walt. the World Cup job and said, I'm going to do everything exactly the opposite of what I'm going to do in Columbus so nobody knows what to expect. <laughs> That's just
0: like we're going to go to Columbus and we're going to play fast. But yeah. well, as long as no it's USA, we're the 04 lighting, baby.
1: <laughs> so he threw the country under the bus for his own private selfish reasons, huh? Yeah.
0: Twitter right. Tortorella
1: would never do that. He's not a narcissist at all. <laughs> uh, I prefer the Avalanche to be playing like the Blue Jackets right now. I don't know about you guys. Yep.
2: I, I think that's honestly, I mean, I don't think it's going to be like their season this year, but uh, you know, I, I do think that if they get the right depth personnel and, and a few changes on the blue line, that they can start playing close to that.
1: That is rather optimistic
2: of you. I I just think that there's a tipping point they need to get to. I think that there's just too much tipped against their favor right now. Yeah,
1: I mean, you're absolutely right. I just don't... I would never have estimated this team would be last in the league. They could have missed the playoffs and would have been fine. You know, I expected that, but not this. This is so far below what the talent level is. I just...
2: I I mean, there's just... a. It goes back to the the coaching change was a surprise to everyone, I and mean, you just don't have the right guys to play fast, and you have to play fast. Old the slow and slow guys aren't do.
0: good at playing fast. <laughs> old and yeah, slow I mean, old, guys are not good at playing fast. <laughs> yeah, old and,
2: old and slow guys do not win you games anymore. So, not on mouse like they have in Colorado.
1: Speaking of, uh, don't tell me about
2: heart and the you know his war charts that he's been putting
1: up he put kind of like an age drop off you know of uh, the effectiveness of players you know over the course of their career and that was so striking to me it's so young In hockey it just it is so young cuz you know players peak at what was it 24 25 you know and all of a sudden fall back down to, like their 18 19 year old level by the time they're 30 and then it falls off a cliff after that I mean, you just there's so many older players that stick around the NHL for so long. That yeah, <laughs> that uh, you know, you don't think about it, but there are too many guys on this team on the wrong side of thirty. There are.
2: Too I many. mean, you, I think there's seven or eight. I, I usually have that off the top of my head, but you know, you look at the the Blue Jackets; they got two guys over thirty. Right. You know, and who is that? I mean, Hartnell's one. I forget the other.
0: Right. One guy's just yeah. right
2: at 30 I minute. Who is that? But Hardnell's the only old guy who sucks. I
0: always forget right. Hardnell's on the Blue Jackets.
2: <laughs> Hardnell's down.
0: So should we go ahead and look ahead uh. next week?
1: Let's do it. Yeah, predict zero wins.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> also predict zero losses.
0: So what, they're going to tie on Thursday and Saturday? They do play two games. Oh, do they? Yeah. Th- yeah. Thursday is okay. at home Not versus... Not a ten day break. <laughs> Thursday is at home versus Anaheim, 7 Mountain. And then Saturday we've got an afternooner. What is it with... Okay, Nashville comes to Colorado and plays an afternooner. That's kind of the way this goes. Why? I don't
1: know.
0: Saturday, 1 o'clock oh. Mountain with the Nashville Predators. Hmm. that's just funky Let's
1: yeah especially uh, two day break after you know getting the five day break
0: there's a lot of repeats this week actually or this month actually Colorado play Vancouver twice Anaheim three times San Jose back to back kind of a not a very original month
2: Anaheim three times this month
0: Anaheim oh. this week and then next Thursday and then the 31st yeah.
2: Wow. They just played, the Rampage just played their farm team twice.
0: Ugh. We're going to be sick of seeing Randy.
2: <coughs> Rampage could be playing some of these Ducks games here. If we're lucky. <laughs> um, I
0: don't know. Isn't um, Anaheim's, Anaheim's AHL team is San Diego?
2: Yeah, the Gulls.
0: And didn't our old friend Nate Gennon just score for them? He did. So, shout-out to Nate Gannon. Yep. Put an yeah. HL goal scorer. Putting
1: the puck in the net. What a boss. Did he point
0: <laughs> it to it first? Did he call it? a shot? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I
2: don't know. I haven't seen the Ducks play yet, so I don't know what to think of these games. Got a good record. Yeah, we'll probably lose both. Probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Is Varley going to play? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Man, who
2: knows? I I bet Varley... It it sounds like they, they held him out of the Islanders game, so he'd be very, very fresh to come back.
1: Yeah, I mean, the timing would be strange if he did not come back for these two games. Plus, I think they want the roster spot. Yeah.
0: So... Well, if he if he's back and he's in good Varley form, then the Avalanche have a chance. And if he's back and he's in this year Varley form, then.
2: If Oceanman's <laughs> still sick, I think they'll win both. But if he's in the lineup, I think they'll lose both. There you go. I'm on board with that.
0: <laughs> yeah. A, a final shout out this week to uh, to Micah McCurdy's new toy. Uh, it's Ineffective Math on Twitter. His website, I think it's Hockeybiz.com. You can hop on there and see uh, heat maps of where teams get their shots and give up their shots on the ice with players on or off the ice. So, like, you can go in and see that uh, when Francois Beauchemin plays, the Avalanche give up a shit ton of shots from the right side of the crease. And when he's not on the ice, they give up less than average from there. Interesting. Yeah. Um, So
1: it's not just one solid sheet of red when he's on the ice? No. It's only on one side?
0: Oh, it's – around the edges at all times for the Avalanche. They do a pretty good job in general of keeping the shots wide, but not when not on the right side when he's on. Um, obviously, shot location data is still in its infancy. It's still not very accurate in the short term, um, but you're, you're looking more at a long-term trend of areas anyway. You're not trying to get down to the actual exact centimeter of where a shot came from. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of the general area. So when you build up a few games, you get the general's area figured out it's it's pretty good data like you can see that a guy like uh, Connor mcdavid just destroys the, the dangerous areas um that nathan mckinnon has a similar effect although it's not as strong um and you can see that the avalanche as a team do well at keeping shots wide but oceanman doesn't
1: no <laughs> yeah i'm looking at that right now this is cool
0: so go have a poke around on oh. that there's a lot of cool information there about every player in the league
1: Look yep, at, no. Uh
0: look at Austin Matthews while you're at it. It's kind of alarming. <laughs> His are almost as good as McDavid's. I don't know, like, how... Like, we all knew Austin Matthews was going to be really good, but I don't think anyone thought he was going to be quite this good.
1: Are any of you guys enjoying the irony of a American from Phoenix, Arizona, being the one to save on, <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs? <laughs>
2: I mean, I really, really enjoy that.
0: They keep trying to make it about Mitch Marner too. Have you noticed that?
2: I'll tell you what they put. They had Marner on the PK last night, and that was friggin' awesome. Huh? I, he was a menace. I mean, he had he had a couple of scoring chances on the PK. A you know? couple. Yeah. Like one shift, <laughs> for to get uh, back out there. I think He had like two or three shifts, and but okay. it, I was just like, you know, here is this little guy who everyone said was too small to be effective in the NHL, and here he is killing penalties and moving the puck the right way during the PK, not just sitting there blocking shots. Nope. Hey, people
1: act like size is the only physical advantage there is. And I disagree with that lower the yeah. ground. You are the quicker, the easier you can change direction. And that is perfect penalty killing attribute.
2: Yeah. It's, I mean, cause a lot of people do something like dump the puck back in their own zone while they're farting around changing and all that and be real casual. If it's back there, and Marner's like, well, okay. And he just zings in there and gets the puck. <laughs> McKinnon you know, does price it, price kind of the same thing. Like, hey, guys!
0: Thing. <laughs> when the Avalanche throw out their 9 9 PK, McKinnon kind of does the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So but zero I guess a luxury.
2: I see Jost doing something like that.
0: Yeah, you know. yeah. Look, looking forward to Jost. That's a good callback.
2: Just can't
1: wait. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, on that note, we've, we're all in agreement that the avalanche will surprise us with any win this week. Um, but whatever happens, you know that you can find out here. And this is going to be funky because, um, kind of behind the scenes, real quick, I've screwed up everything on my laptop so we don't have the sounds playing in live. So I don't really know how long I'm talking for here. Um, you can get the latest hazards uh, and updates at and you follow whatever happens this week here on the show. You can follow the show at slyfeline.com slash milehighhockey or on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com slash milehighhockey. Podcast, milehighhockey, podcast. Of course, we do post to the website, and it gets pushed to your favorite RSS feed and podcast catcher and, you know, uh, wave your fishnet in the sky. You might get it that way, too. I don't even know. Uh, you can follow the site at facebook.com slash hockey or on Twitter at milehighhockey. Um, so we will see you all next week um the, the schedule may change very slightly in the near future i'll keep you all posted on that but for now just count on seeing us next week
2: i predicted it
1: in the last episode
2: <laughs> we all did the islanders win
0: <laughs> i actually did fuck you
2: <laughs> we all called Matt Nito getting picked up on waivers
0: we called that he's gonna get waived <laughs> we follow every team in the league that closely we did, we did a special episode for the last episode and we talked about the other 29 because we were tired of the Avs <laughs>